getting the vaccine was a really, a really hard choice for me to make. And I was eligible as a pregnant person really early on. So we were sort of in that, I think even the first group, even though pregnant people weren't in the vaccine trials, it was something I really, really agonized over and just felt like there just wasn't enough information. And I think finally, I just had to admit that I was really afraid. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. Since the COVID-19 vaccine has been available, we've been talking to our neighbors about it. We scheduled thousands of appointments for essential workers and at-risk community members. And we learned a lot along the way. And while most people were comfortable or excited to get vaccinated, some of our neighbors had hesitations. One question in particular kept coming up. Will the COVID-19 vaccine affect my ability to conceive? A big reason for that concern is that the initial vaccine trials didn't include those who were pregnant. Consequently, some of our neighbors who wanted to conceive weren't sure whether they should get vaccinated or not. Since then, we've seen firsthand the dangers of holding off. According to the CDC, about 97% of pregnant women who have been hospitalized with COVID-19 were also unvaccinated. But we also have more information now on how the vaccine is affecting those who are pregnant or trying to conceive. Today, Epicenter's Catherine Tam talks to Dr. Ariane Adams about what we've learned so far. Catherine is a Brooklyn-based journalist and a member of an Epicenter team doing vaccine outreach in Queens Village. Dr. Adams is a primary care physician and the clinical director of social determinants of health at New York City Health and Hospitals. Before we begin, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. Find out about the biggest ideas in business on McKinsey's Insights app, where you can listen to podcasts like our flagship show, The McKinsey Podcast. We're so not tuned in to the dynamic going on for the current employees. What matters to them most? Or watch our author talk series featuring law professor Dorothy A. Brown. 60% of Black college students don't graduate. And when I came across that statistic, I got so depressed and read lots of articles about, for example, The Next Normal, where you can learn about the coronavirus's latest impact on business. To hear, see, and read more, download McKinsey's Insights app now. Now, back to the show. Here's Catherine and Dr. Adams. Uh, So first of all, generally, what is the advice you have been giving to your patients who are pregnant or who are thinking of conceiving, who have questions or concerns about getting any of the COVID-19 vaccines? Like, is it safe for them to get the vaccine? Yes. So I'm a primary care doctor. So I see a large number of people every day and a large part of the conversations right now are really about the COVID vaccine. Um, But specifically for individuals who are wanting to become pregnant in the future, people that are currently pregnant, or even people that have delivered and are currently breastfeeding, For all of those individuals, I am recommending that people should get vaccinated against COVID-19. And there are many different reasons for that. One is what the vaccine can do in terms of making it safe. So we have data that shows when individuals are pregnant and receive the COVID vaccines, they are less likely to get infected than individuals who have not had the COVID vaccine. 
Also, what we do know is that we have a lot of data looking at people that have gotten COVID to see what are the effects when people are infected. And unfortunately, when we look at that data, what we do see is that when individuals are pregnant and they get infected with COVID, they are more likely to have to go to the critical care unit if they're in the hospital. They are more likely to have to be intubated. We also know that those individuals who are pregnant are more likely to die than individuals who are not pregnant. NYU Langone did release the results of a study that showed that there are pregnant patients who did receive either the Pfizer or Moderna mRNA vaccine. When they delivered uh, their babies, they, they found out that the mothers also passed on that protection from the vaccine to their uh, newborn babies. So um, what are your, your thoughts on that? Sure. So that that data really is another piece of evidence that is something that we all feel would likely happen, but it's nice that we have data that shows that. And so what we do know is that when somebody is pregnant, everybody might have antibodies to different sort of infections. So let's say you had the flu vaccine, your body gets antibodies against the flu in your body. When you get the COVID vaccine, you have COVID antibodies that are going around in your body. What we know is that when individuals are pregnant, those antibodies can often be given from the person who is pregnant to the baby. We call that passive immunity. And so what that also is kind of showing us is that babies are get a benefit when, they're, um, when their parent decides to get vaccinated. That's good to know. So one thing that has come out is the CDC basically putting out an, an alert urging all pregnant women who have yet to get any of those three COVID-19 vaccines to do so. So I'd like to hear your thoughts and, you know, about the CDC having to put out an alert like that. Yeah, so the the CDC, one of their main roles is to monitor who is getting vaccines, who is being protected, but also looking at who is getting sick. So like I spoke about before, in terms of the benefits of vaccination and the risk of not being vaccinated, that is one of the big reasons that the CDC has had this big push to increase the numbers of vaccines to help protect individuals who are pregnant. But something that you did mention is about individuals who are pregnant not being included in the initial trials for the vaccine. Um, That is actually something that, for better, for worse, for many different clinical trials that happen with different medicines, different vaccines, and different new therapies, it is common for individuals who are pregnant or individuals who are breastfeeding to not be included. I think the concern is that, you know, there might be a higher risk to the fetus or the baby if they are in those trials. But I think something that we're hearing more about is that when we don't include those groups in these trials, we don't have a lot of that data up front. And so when we're hearing about questions that people have, they're wondering, well, if the trials didn't include me, how do I know that this is safe? And so there are definitely some more pushes for, from experts to include those individuals in those kind of trials in the future. One thing I will say is because we've a lot of time has passed and we've had so many people have been vaccinated, including individuals who are pregnant, the CDC has actually gathered data looking at individuals who are pregnant and seeing the outcomes for the individual who is pregnant, but also the outcomes for the baby for vaccination. And in that, what they are seeing is that they are not seeing any difference in rates of miscarriage. They are not seeing any differences in rates of preeclampsia or eclampsia. They are not seeing any difference in fetal abnormalities or any issues with the baby when they compare individuals who are vaccinated and the outcomes of their pregnancy and comparing that to the general pregnancy outcomes, you know, in our country before the COVID vaccine was available. How does getting any of the COVID-19 vaccines right now affect um, menstrual cycles? So at this point, there have not been formal clinical trials that have looked at individuals to see, are they seeing changes in their menstruation or are they seeing changes in their vaginal bleeding? So we are not seeing trials that are looking at that right now. 
for fertility. There have been, unfortunately, a lot of information that is not true that has been going around in the communities about the vaccine and concern that the vaccine affects fertility. What I will say is that there is absolutely no scientific evidence that we have that shows that the COVID vaccine would affect fertility for individuals that identify as female or individuals who identify as male. One thing I will say is what we are seeing is that the COVID, the SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, we are seeing some concerns that that, not the vaccine, but getting the virus may have an effect on fertility in males may affect their sperm and their ability of fertility. And so again, not the vaccine, but with the virus. And so again, it's something that we're still learning about, but in general, a lot of what we think about is when people do get COVID-19 infection, some of those people get very, very sick and that can result in negative outcomes, but we're still kind of getting data about what specifically are the effects on fertility in those groups. While we're still getting data about what specifically the effects of COVID-19 infection on fertility are, Dr. Adams recommends that pregnant women get vaccinated. To learn more, Dr. Adams recommends reading a study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine about the safety of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines in pregnant women. We've linked to it in our show notes. Next, Epicenter's Sam Zacker talks to two local moms, both of whom were pregnant during the pandemic. First, Erica Anderson, a journalist living in Brooklyn who gave birth to her first child less than a month ago. So my name is Erica Anderson, and I am a journalist. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I just gave birth to my first child, and he will be my only child, and he is 23 days old. Uh, Did you feel like you had more or less support being pregnant during COVID? And were there any groups you were able to join, like support groups or anything like that, that you could be a part of? So I was pregnant twice during COVID. I had a miscarriage. The first pregnancy was um, not planned. So that was fall of 2020. And that was scary to try to figure out kind of how to get care and how, how to go a, what we wanted to do about being pregnant. And then I had actually done a story during COVID on um, home birth midwives and how people were you know, not wanting to go to the hospital because they were not able to labor with their support person. They weren't able to bring in doulas or anything like that. And so there was this huge uptick in a, a desire for home birth midwives and there are just not very many of them. So that was just sort of coincidence that I had done that story and had that kind of that background knowledge. My best friend is also a doula. And so she was someone I really turned to around, you know, support and finding care. And I decided that I wanted to go the the midwife route, but still kind of going when, when I ended up having a miscarriage, it was kind of going, going to different OBs, going to Planned Parenthood, trying to figure out, was this actually happening? And that was all pretty, pretty scary to have happen my partner was not able to come with me into the into the different appointments for some of them so that was in the fall of 2020 and then i on purpose got pregnant in january 2021 and yeah i and this the same sort of thing i chose to go the home birth midwife route just cuz covid felt really up in the air in terms of what the hospital scene was going to look like and yeah my main community has been like the people that I can text mostly. 
Can you talk about your experience deciding on getting the vaccine and what factors were involved in your decision? Absolutely. Getting the vaccine was a really, a really hard choice for me to make. And I was eligible as a pregnant person really early on. So we were sort of in that, I think even the first group, even though pregnant people weren't in the vaccine trials, they do, they see pregnant people as, you know, high risk medically. So it was really confusing to be like, here's this thing that I am now eligible for and have been waiting and waiting and waiting and really want. And now I don't know if I want to get it now and just sort of wishing that everybody around me could get it, which was also a really strange feeling because I had, I had gotten COVID so early on and had antibodies that I had felt kind of like, like a superhero. Like I was the one that went to the grocery store and I was the one that wasn't as worried. And so now to be the vulnerable one was a really uncomfortable position. And I talked with tons of different, I talked with my midwives. I talked to doctors. I read every study that there was at that point available. And there just wasn't a lot of data. I also have family members who are pretty intensely anti-vax and like, I was not fully vaccinated as a child and yeah. And I, I do not consider myself anti-vax at all, but there's just sort of those older rumblings kind of coming up. So some of my family were not people that I could go to, to talk through these things. And other members of my family were like, you should just get it right away. Like, we don't want to be scared for you anymore. And so there was a lot of kind of weighing. And I think finally, I just had to admit that I was really afraid. And finally, we said, you know, if, if we have a miscarriage because of this, we will try again. And like, that's the worst case scenario. And so I waited, they were doing vaccine trials with women who were like 21 or 22 weeks pregnant. And so I decided to wait until then, even though that was sort of an arbitrary time, it was like in the middle of my second trimester and the pregnancy is just like more solid at that point. And enough people at that point even anecdotally had gotten it and had not had any issues that I was like, okay. So in the end I did get vaccinated and then I waited and I waited a little bit longer than the three weeks to get my second shot. The stress of deciding whether or not to get vaccinated is one of the extra challenges that comes along with being pregnant during a pandemic. Sam also spoke to Katie Cohn, a Brooklyn mom of two young boys Katie was pregnant with her second son before she had the opportunity to get vaccinated. My name's Katie. I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, with my husband and my two sons. Um, Max is four and a half, and my youngest son, Oliver, is um, 16 months. So he is the one that was born at kind of the, the height of the early height of the pandemic, I should say. And can you talk a bit about your setup during the pandemic? Like during the start of the pandemic, did you work from home? Did you stay in New York City? Yeah, we stuck around um, mostly because I, I was pregnant and my doctors were, you know, in the city. I was lucky enough to work from home and my OB appointments started to move. They were telehealth. So that was kind of easy, um, easier. And yeah, I, I, we thought about trying to escape and, you know, I asked my OB about that too. And, and she was like, you know, 
we're kind of in the epicenter right now. And so we will know how to deal with this by the time you have your baby and the waves might be hitting these kind of other places outside of New York at different times. And so you just like, everything's hard to predict. I just felt like delivering it at Wild Cornell, New York Presbyterian, it felt like I'd be in good hands there. And yeah, so we, we stuck it out and <laughs> my, my son was born June 15th. So luckily we were kind of over that April, May hump, but it was still, you know, quite stressful and scary. <laughs> Yeah, I really can't imagine. I feel like pregnancy on its own is enough. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned some trips to the doctor's office or like telehealth appointments. Were they different during the pandemic? How are they different? And were you able to bring your partner? You kind of had to go it alone. I unfortunately had gestational diabetes and had some extra appointments that I could not bring my partner to. And yeah, and unfortunately I took a I think I was probably diagnosed perhaps like a month later than I maybe should have been because of getting in to do that blood work was kind of, um, it, it took longer. Um, and they had misdiagnosed something on an ultrasound thinking my son had a heart problem that he didn't have. So I had to kind of go see a, a pediatric cardiologist and have a bunch of tests done on my own. And luckily, thank God, everything was fine, but yeah, it's, it was stressful. My biggest fear knowing that I was going to need another C-section because I had had one with my first child was that I was going to have to do that alone. And I actually should walk that back and say that my biggest, biggest fear was that I wasn't going to be able to be with my baby after he was born because of the the looming threat of testing positive. And they were going to, you know, you just heard these crazy stories of separating the mothers from their babies. And that was like, that was my biggest fear by far. And if you're comfortable answering this question, of course, as with all questions, um, how was your mental health during your pregnancy? And did you feel like the pandemic added like an extra dose of stress on you? Yeah, I, again, am lucky enough to have a therapist that I see. And so I was already kind of working on, you know, I had resources for stress and anxiety that I was already experiencing in my pregnancy. And so I felt really lucky to have professional help basically, but yeah, it, it was wildly stressful, but I also kind of knew that I had to keep it together for the sake of my family and my baby. So it's almost like you, you're feeling more stress than you ever have, but then you're also keeping the lid screwed on tight. But yeah, it was, it was all very stressful and upsetting, but in, you know, when I finally heard Oliver cry all the fear sort of went away and it just flipped this switch for me, just like knowing that he was okay. Like all of the stress and frustration and kind of anxiety and panic that I'd been through kind of just, yeah, melted away. And he was sort of my light in the dark. <laughs> um, and how are things going now? How are you feeling now? Are you optimistic as we continue on? Yeah, finally, finally, I think. And getting to a point where I'm, I've had to weigh our risk threshold with big decisions enough times now that I kind of, that muscle memory, that like muscle has like been working. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that women that are pregnant now are able to be vaccinated. I obviously didn't have that choice because it was, you know, the, the beginning of the pandemic. And luckily we didn't have data yet that were saying that was telling us that there were worse outcomes for pregnant women, which we now know is, is definitely a thing. That's what the data is showing. And I, they hadn't seen any of that yet. So I didn't have that extra layer of panic, but thank God now women are able to get vaccinated and pass those antibodies to their, to their babies as well. I also will say 
again, we've been through the like real alarms, false alarms. We did all have COVID in February. We've been through it and any little sort of scare now, you kind of know how to like move through it a little bit better. So I'm, I think we're all developing, or at least luckily we've started to, in my family, like we've developed kind of the right scaffolding and tools to sort of navigate these moments now and still sucks, but (laughs) it's getting easier to manage, I would say. Yeah. I think that's an incredible way to look at it in terms of like, we've had this practice, we've had this experience, so now we can move forward. Like Katie said, things have gotten better since the start of the pandemic. But as a whole, our pregnant neighbors and new parents need better resources and information across many areas, like child care, health care, and mental health care. This is where you can help, by sharing your stories, so we can continue to inform our community. Did you conceive after getting your vaccine? Have you gotten COVID-19 while pregnant? We want to hear from you. Send us a note at hello at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.